Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. As we move deeper into this uh, blessed, austere, uplifting, transformative time of the year, we think about another of the important aspects of Ramadan, which is learning, studentship, the fatuwa and the adab of the teacher and the student, particularly this time of the year, if you're in the UK or uh, other Western countries, because Ramadan coincides with the examination season for very many of us. And I was impressed when last year the two best students in my faculty at the University of Cambridge uh, in their final exams, which is a formidable test, were both Muslim students and were both fasting. So we can excel in Ramadan. It's not just a time of endurance, but it's a time when by recalibrating ourselves, our expectations, and mastering our metabolic uh, needs, we can do better than we can. We can outperform our norm. But uh, the student, uh, and there are hundreds of thousands of Muslim students just in this country now, has uh, to know through his or her niyyah that he or she has embarked on something of unique nobility uh, and very often Muslim students aren't quite sure how to relate deen to what they're studying, if they're doing engineering or law. And then they go to the university prayer room, they feel there's a certain disconnect or co uh, cognitive dissonance. How can they connect the two? Uh, are they commuting between parallel universes? Well, obviously some activities feel more reminiscent of the divine presence in others, and Dunya has always been like that. But it helps to remember that the pursuit of knowledge that is going to be useful to humanity, not just religious knowledge, is something that is something that the angels enfold with their wings in the hadith. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shahid Allahu annahu la ilaha illahu wal malaika wa ulul almi qa'iman bilqist. Allah bears witness that there is no deity but he and the angels and the people of knowledge upright in just balance. <coughs> so Allah is bearing witness to his unity. The angels bear witness to his unity. They can do nothing else. People of knowledge bear witness to his unity. These three categories in the universe through uh, mental cognition, knowledge, perfection, having the quality of ilm. Everything else in creation bears witness to the divine unity just by being, just by being one of the alat, the ayat, the gifts and the signs. But the human being can speak, can bear witness and make the shahada of la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. And properly speaking, the believer, whatever he or she is studying, will be simply, as it were, embroidering upon that shahada <coughs> and making it more evident. So uh, this is a high degree. Yarfa'u Allahu alladheena amanu minkum 
Those who are given knowledge amongst them, Allah raises uh, them up and those who believe by degrees. And it's often said that this is one of the khasa'is, the special features of the religion and of the Qur'an, that it has such an emphasis on <coughs> knowledge, the nobility of knowledge, the nobility of knowing, the refusal of the distinction between the sacred and the profane, the holy and the secular, because everything is submissive to him, obeys him, bears witness to his beauty and his majesty. There is nothing that is not a perfect signpost, if you know how to read. And when we learn, inshallah, with the right intention, we learn how to read a little bit better. The medic gets to see amazing things about creation. The engineer, with his equations and calculations, gets to see amazing things about the laws of creation. It's all a matter of the cognitive frame with which you perceive the bit of creation that you're studying. So, <coughs> but in terms of the classical lessons about knowledge, I just wanted briefly to end with uh, uh, a list of ten wazaif, ten functions or duties which the student has to bear in mind, uh, which are 900 years old, but I think are still really useful to ourselves. Um, the first of these, he says, when you're studying, and remember he's mainly talking about sacred knowledge because that was you know, the Rolls Royce of the disciplines in his day, <coughs> but these all apply to whatever legitimate thing it is we're studying. <coughs> he says you begin with purity of soul, taharat and nafs. In other words, you don't go into your degree course or your madrasa with a mass of conflicting intentions and insecurities and anxieties and questions as a kind of mass of confusion, but you have purity and your intention is to serve Allah through serving humanity in their deen and in their dunya. And that is predicated on knowledge of the self. You have to have some self-awareness, he's saying, before you can be aware of anything else. So that's number one. He says also number two, <clears throat> use your studies as a way of helping you to reduce your attachments to dunya. <coughs> now, given the state of student grants these days and the tiny cells which uh, students have to occupy, it's often an austere existence, and the fact you have to travel away from home comfort. Imam Ghazali says, yeah, this can be a way of uh, reducing your dunya attachments, living in a more strange, unsettling, thought-provoking, less dunya kind of environment. Uh, and this can be uh, shaped through the right intention <clears throat> as a way of reducing reliance on dunya and being more uh, concentrated on, on akhirah. He says, rule number three is humility, part of which is respect for one's teachers. Don't try to outsmart your teacher. <coughs> Even if you know that the teacher is wrong on a particular issue, use adab and maybe even indicate to the teacher afterwards, as long as nobody is actively misled. <coughs> Number four, if you're a beginner, he says, don't uh, gratify your ego 
by diving into controversial issues. Understand what the teacher is saying correctly, first of all. And when you consider different views, and even in the sciences there's no shortage of different views, see if you can find a teacher or a lecturer uh, who knows those different views and can explain them rather than just list them. That's going to be uh, really important. You'll benefit more. <coughs> Number five, he says, don't over-specialise, but know at least the outline of every discipline. And nowadays, because there's so much Zahir stuff that is known, we have a tendency to do that. So the engineer will never have read Shakespeare or doesn't know anything about law, and we need to have uh, uh, an all-round type of education. Number six, the imam says, a student should recognize what's really important and focus on that. So when reading a book, <coughs> when listening to a lecture, make sure you're aware of the, the, the real important takeaways and uh, the, the key points that are being made and don't be distracted by things that are subsidiary. Number seven, he says, be methodical. In other words, when you have learnt something, make sure you've really understood it before you move on to studying the next thing. So don't turn the page until you've understood what's on on that page. <coughs> uh, number eight, he says, uh, knowledge is noble because of its outcomes, not because of the strength of the proofs. So he says, medicine is a nobler science than mathematics, even though its proofs are weaker. Why? <coughs> because, quite defensibly, he says, medicine enhances very obvious aspects of human well-being and can save babies and prolong life and cure fevers and so forth. Because of its outcomes, it's a nobler science than something that is just about um, working out equations. Even though that which is <coughs> strictly, sort of purely scientific and mathematical might have stronger proofs, it's a less noble discipline. Uh, number nine, he says, uh, you must have the right intention and the intention has to be to properly <coughs> integrate what you know into the holistic reality of your Muslim existence. In other words, to become a better person, not just to get a job or to be able to press a button and then suddenly you become a GP in the local surgery, but overall to become a better person, a person of greater fadila. Uh, and then the final thing, he says, <coughs> it's an obligation to know how each thing you learn relates to the purpose of that discipline. So don't get lost in some really complicated calculation uh, in inheritance law just for the sake of it, but know what good it can be. Uh, and also, ultimately, know how it relates to religion. Sometimes the, the strand may seem rather tenuous. But in all of these things that are useful for mankind, that have a general nefra, you can study law in order to save people from being deported, for instance, or to save people from the gallows. Um, you can save lives through medicine. You can help people through engineering. These things can be abused, but they can also be used. And you have to be clear about how this relates to your dean and uh, how your dean is going to be supported um, rather than challenged by this other thing that's developing in your life. So these are the ten principles that Imam Ghazali enunciates. I find them really, that they really cut through to the heart of the matter. <coughs> and in this month of Ramadan, 
with so many distractions are uh, behind us and beside us, let's try and check our intentions and see if we can ennoble the sometimes apparently worldly things that we're studying uh, as we move into the examination season and beyond uh, so that we are uplifted as Muslims rather than just as taxpayers by uh, all of the stuff that we're learning. Barakallahu feekum wa la'afu wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers.